Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, it's just your boys. Your boys are back. Your boys are back in town, and by your boys, I mean Rhett, that's me, and Link, that's him. We're gonna be talking to each other. This is a good wait, one. Wait, we're like rappers or something? Yeah. Where it's like, we gotta constantly say our names. Your boys names. are back, Rhett, Link. No. Link speaking. Just this week, I wanted to do that. I've been in that kind of mood lately. But this is a good one. I'm excited about this conversation because I'm a little I'm a little nervous cuz I might say the wrong thing. Right. And we'll we'll edit that out. I might get upset. We don't edit stuff out. But we're going to dip our toe into something that is potentially controversial, which we don't always do. But we're basically we're going to be talking about plagiarism and inspiration. What is the line between the two and like how have we navigated that? In light mm-hmm. of some recent events, uh but also right. just like it kind of opened up this whole world of as we think back on our career, we have all these examples of um, how we've navigated this space and, from that perspective. Yeah, and what our what our priorities are, and how we where do we place that line? Um, in general, I think this is we're interested in having this conversation about our creativity, our our approach to creativity, and how it relates to this. But maybe on other podcasts, we'll hit on other topics, and you can let us know. Hashtag ear biscuits. What from a from a creative perspective, are you interested in hearing from us as one of the many buckets that buckets. we can discuss? Um, but before we get into that, we should we should bring you up to speed on some other things that we've talked about. Um, you got the camera up your butthole, and yeah, they, so we should and talk they, about and they that. Learned some things about that, and so you were going to and also roll the, that video now. No, but also the tour. Let's talk. Oh, let, oh. Let's bring them up to speed on the tour before first. the camera not, butt. Not the tour of my anal canal. Okay, by a doctor, uh, which I will, I will, I will give you more than you want to know. Well, that in is just a second. Incidentally, that is the subtitle of the tour of mythicality. Tour a, of a tour of Link's anal canal. <laughs> no, it's not. But we might show some footage. Are there. you we even going to be there? We don't. <laughs> you don't need to be there. We for don't that. even know what actually. Here's what we do know about the tour. The tour is we are bringing the Book of Mythicality to life in a big way. This is not going to uh, bookstores and reading the book. This is doing a stage show in a theater with music, and we're it, we're putting on a show. We're putting on a show the, that you want to see. It's bringing the book to life, but it's also doing other things that we want to do to connect with you in person. And there probably won't be any footage from Link's uh, colon video. I just I just thought about that just now, but now the more I think about what that would look like, it just looked like anybody else's call. Well, really, you, go to go to tourofmythicality.com dot com to find out where we're going, and then you know what, you risk seeing that footage. <laughs> no, you don't. I don't have the footage. I do have pictures, but tourofmythicality.com, dot com. We're going across the U.S., so yeah, we're, don't com- miss we're coming it. to a place. Pre-order your tickets near now. you, and if you can't make it to the tour, you can at least get the book at bookofmythicality.com, available for pre-order right now. So, um, he gave me some medicine in my IV. Who's he? Just a man off the street? A nurse? A janitor? A nurse? Okay, a nurse. But um, so they wheeled me into the. I mean, it's like an operating room, and they just you know they put a camera up there. They search all around. The results were all clear. Did, I am, he, sh- did he show it to you before he put well, it in there? I just gave the most important part, and you weren't even listening. I'm fine. I already know you're fine. Okay, I'm fine. Um, totally clear. They found nothing, not even a hint of anything. No dookie or nothing. Of course, <laughs> all that had been cleaned out. Okay. You know, because I was drinking that stuff while we were recording that particular podcast. Um. He had an IV, he said, I'm gonna start the medicine. That's the last thing I remember. Next thing I remember, I was back here working. They say don't come back to work. Yeah. 
but we were working and I just remember talking to you and members of the Mythical Crew and I remember the look on their face was like, they were kind of smiling and then at some points laughing at what I thought was just normal conversation. Well, it wasn't that you were saying weird things by the time you got back here, it, it was that you were obviously forgetting that you had just said something. So we were like having a, we were oh. having like a buddy system conversation about songs. I can't remember exactly what it was, but we were trying to lay out a plan for what we were gonna do. And I would say something, and then you would say something back to me, and you would say what I had just said, like it was your idea, like yeah. you were telling me something for the first time. Is that like, anything new? And I, and I was like, that's exactly, I just told you that. Which and, is incidentally, which is kind of what this whole podcast is about, is about <laughs> where do I, ideas come from? Oh. And uh, if you're. They come from me, I think is the, is the point. <laughs> In your mind. In my mind. <laughs> that day, the, all the good ideas were coming from you. Oh, but it yeah. wasn't even an idea, it was just like the plan. I would be like, so I think we could divide the songs up like this and then we could do this and we should be doing this with a Google Doc and then you'd be like, what if we divided the songs up like this and we did this with a Google Doc? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> After a while, I just, but then like. I an, thought your voice was my own thoughts. An hour. Think, and then I had to speak them. An hour or two into that, like early afternoon, I could tell that you were basically back to normal. Yeah, but at all throughout that afternoon, I, re, I was like, hold on, I remember eating lunch at Pollo Loco with Hadil, our assistant, because yeah. she she had to drive me back. Right. You know, and they say, drive yourself. don't go back to work and have somebody drive you. Well, I had somebody drive me, but I had her drive me back to work. But we went to Pollo Loco first. Yeah. I was gonna go to In-N-Out. Crazy chicken. I remember calling Christy and I'm like, everything's clear, I'm totally good, and I'm going to In-N-Out, she's like, you know, that's gonna be greasy, you don't wanna do that. And I looked up and there was a Pollo Loco. I remember that. That's not gonna be greasy. Next thing I remember is sitting down and I was asking her, asking Hadil questions that I don't know if they were appropriate. Cause I don't remember sure what they, they were, were, but I remember I asked her for extra gravy. Gravy? They don't have gravy. I got extra and they had a whole, I got a whole vat of it. And I was, I was dipping everything in that gravy. Hold on, they, because they have mashed potatoes there? Yes. And I'd never ordered mashed potatoes in there, but I had a whole bunch of that. And you got extra gravy. And it was like I was in an alternate dimension where Pollo Loco had like vats of gravy and I was I was asking her questions. Cause later I was like, Hadil, did I ask you like some some probing questions? Probing, probably, like, the, well, wrong, I probably the wrong just word. I probed, I'm sorry. And she was like, yeah, but it's okay, I understand. I didn't really answer them. <laughs> she told you that? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I gotta talk to her and see what she, she asked. I don't you know what her. I asked. Well, I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna um, ask her what you asked her. Yeah. But you're okay. We're, I'm we're, great. We're man. happy, you know? We're, I'm clear. We're all relieved. I'm, I'm good to go. And um, uh, you got a good story to tell out of it? Well, I had the story I just told. Yeah, I don't you know don't how really good remember. that was. Yeah, it was, it was okay. It was just fine, right? Um, but let, let's talk about the recent events that is the reason that we're doing this podcast and kind of got us thinking about this. Yeah, as of the airing of this episode, I think we're we're a couple weeks out. We're like this. a couple of weeks out from this happening. So it's it's not totally fresh, but it's not something that otherwise we would talk about. And it's not about airing any dirty laundry or no. like venting about anything. To us t talking about and analyzing this thing that happened and that was resolved and that we're cool with it's fascinating. It's I a think fascinating it's, again, it's it's a way into talking about a creative process. So, all right. So here's let's the get into it. Here's the highlights. Uh, and most of you who you know watch stuff on our This Is Mythical channel or just watch in general may already know about what happened. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, 
we uploaded to the This Is Mythical channel uh, a video. What was it called? Shake weight and paint, or what was the name? Was that the, the title of the video? Shake weight and paint, mm-hmm. and basically it featured John, who works for us, who is one of our editors, um, who makes. He's been making lately a lot of these com- totally weird edit videos. He's done a lot of stuff with the GMM footage uh, mm-hmm. that we've just thought is hilarious. Kind of in like the Vic Berger, Tim and Eric style. I, I, we don't know who came up with the style originally but Tim and Eric are who we know as the first guys that kind of did this bad on purpose, bad editing thing. Yeah, and the Vic Berger thing of like zooming in and then doing like edit pans over to other things and like reconstituting footage in a new juxtaposition that makes it bizarre and funny. Him doing that. Like with the Jim Baker Buckets stuff, which is some of my favorite stuff, which I talked about in the Mythical Monthly Newsletter, was like one of my favorite things on the internet right now. Right, so John emulates that. And, like and, that's, he, and that's on Super Deluxe. So Vic Berger, I think Super Deluxe hired Vic Berger to come and do those. Anyway. I don't even know if that's a pseudonym. Uh, I mean, on Twitter it just says Vic Berger the fourth or whatever his actual, I mean, he c- it could be made up. Sounds I mean, like a pseudonym. It, it does sound like a pseudonym. I don't know, we'll have to look into that. Maybe we'll get him on Ear Biscuits. Yeah, I'd love to get him here. We should do that. Vic, we want we want you. But anyway, so w- the way this this went down is okay. We'll tell you how the the video was conceptualized. But we put this video up. D- t- honestly, the two of us had not even seen the video. I saw them editing. I kind of saw John editing it over his shoulder. But a yeah. lot a lot of the this is we we're worrying about a lot of stuff. Mostly buddy system right now, and so we're not looking at every single video that's on. That we're not previewing every video that's coming out on this is mythical. We watch the stuff when you see it a lot of times, and. What we saw is a lot of people commenting on the video. First of all, a lot of dislikes, and so we're like, mm, okay. Whenever we see a lot of dislikes, we're like, okay, what happened? What what went wrong? Mm-hmm. And then we see all these these comments that are like, this is a total ripoff of Dave and Ross, of Steve Zaragoza's Dave and Ross. And I'm like, oh, oh, we know Steve. Yeah. He's 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 been here. He signed this table. He's a friend fellow creator, so we were mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what is this? So we immediately went and looked at Steve's uh, Dave and Ross character, and then we see that uh, he, I guess it started on SourceFed Nerd, but then it was Nuclear Family. I don't know exactly how it all went down, but he had a number, a lot of videos as this character, Dave and Ross, which was obviously uh, a parody of Bob Ross, which is kind of what our thing was, was a parody of Bob Ross. It, but, I, it was, yeah. But definitely. he was doing, it in this sort of Tim and Eric, Steve Brule, you know, the Steve Brule character from Tim and Eric, kind of this weird dude, weird edits, VHS things. Uh, incredi- first of all, incredibly funny. Like, I loved it. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, I wish I had seen this before. Not, just because, just you because it's it. really, really funny. But then all these people are like, this is obviously a ripoff. And now, we did not know, we, 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 we've kind of, We've been very uh, clear to the staff here and people who are developing videos that we don't copy people, that we don't do things, uh, we don't take videos and then make them exactly the way somebody else made them, just as a philosophy of mythical entertainment. Which I think will become more clear as we talk about more, there's other case studies that we'll, right. we'll walk you through in terms of our own experience with this. Um, so we so we knew that this had to be unintentional, but we wanted to confirm. So yeah. we confirmed with everybody who was involved in the development of the video, and what ended up happening was, is the way that our video got planned is, John had been doing these weird edits, uh, which. A style in post. Which is a style that has been established by someone else, so we he is editing in a style that is very much inspired by somebody else, but the specific video concept was, 
they had made other videos with a shake weight, like we made a shake weight and bake where Eddie was uh, using a shake weight to, to bake, and so they wanted to do a shake weight and paint video. Well, no, they came, they came up with both of those at this in the same right. brainstorm session. Right. Let's, they said, let's do things with props from Good Mythical Morning, which we had used the shake weight you shouldn't do. in the sports bra episode. Right. And I was shaking with the shake weights. And they right. said, well, all right, well, let's use that prop in some other This Is Mythical And videos. one of the ideas was to paint. One, yeah, one of them was shake, wake, shake, wait, and bake and with Eddie, and the other one was shake, wait, and paint. And then that was John's John. video, and John wanted to do that video, and so John has been doing those style videos with these weird edits. That's every video that he's been doing on a Sunday has been in that, and, and he's done other ones too, has been like that. And he was, and of course, we have an obsession with Bob Ross. I wear right. the t-shirts, like, so those um, three things came together. So then he he impersonated Bob Ross, right. but he was painting with a shake weight. And he did some very specific things. He used weird paint names. Uh, he was acting he was acting super weird. Uh, he painted some inappropriate things that, that which was a complete coincidence. Was none of that was scripted. The way that they did it wasn't scripted. But there were these mm-hmm. a number of similarities that if you had just seen Davin and then you saw that you could come to a reasonable conclusion that we had completely ripped off Dave and Ross. And and, and, and Steve's fans felt this way, uh, understandably. Well, and the whole SourceFed thing happening with the SourceFed, SourceFed being changed because of the whole brouhaha that happened with, I don't even know, I don't know any of the details, so I'm not gonna comment well, on it. Well, it's unfortunate timing that SourceFed Nerd as a channel Had was, been re-branded, in, was yeah. then rebranded. So it's like, hey guys, totally new people and a totally new name, but the same channel speaking to the same subscribers who are still around. And, and that does not, that, that doesn't feel good to and anybody. And that character, specifically, part of that would, part of that transition would necessarily mean that any characters that Steve had come up with while he was at SourceFed would be owned by that group, so he can't be Davin anymore. So it seemed like you could think that we're like, oh, he can't be Davin anymore. Let's do this character that's just like Davin, and, and then we'll take ownership for this idea and move it forward. You could have come I to mean, that conclusion if, if you just didn't think about it. If well, especially if you're a passionate fan of Steve's, yeah, who then it, who is going to want to take up for him and defend him and even go on the offensive in our comment section, you know, for his sake. And you know, it, w- with that kind of recipe, I think fans, you know, that's it's easy to believe not the best, maybe yeah, the worst. It's easier course. to believe the worst about someone else if you if you feel like you're offended or you've offended someone that you know that you're a big fan of. It's also very easy because I've done it myself to see two things and think, well, I don't think that these four or five things that these videos have in common can be coincidental. What today is gonna be about is how that's actually something that happens all the time. It's mm-hmm. happened in our careers countless times and we've had to pull the plug on videos, we've had to completely change ideas when we found out the similarities between what we were doing and what somebody else was doing. And so it's a, it's a, it's a subject that we're incredibly sensitive to. Like this is it's kind of one of the hallmarks of the way that we conduct our business as creators is to be very concerned about originality and not copying people. So Well, let, and let's we'll, we're going to flesh that out. Yeah. But but all that to say that we took it seriously when all these people were accusing us of plagiarism. So what we did is we took the video down. Not and that was not an admission of guilt. That was a 
we care about this issue so much that in order to avoid even the perception that we would be that we would plagiarize, we're going to take it down because it's not worth it. It's not worth people believing that about us. We reached out to Steve. Steve's a friend. Yeah, we we, ta- we, we talked about it. We explained all of this to him in an email, and then we replied because he had commented on the video. You know, he was barraged by his fans yeah. with, "You got to say something," and he, you know, he he didn't know exactly what to believe about it because you know we hadn't talked about it. Right. And so we replied to his comment, we set the record straight publicly, we went into much more detail privately just to tell him, you know, we would never we would never do that to him. Yeah. Because we're friends. We would never do that to anybody. We don't do that. We don't do we, that. As a company policy, we don't do um, that. So, long story short, we're cool with Steve. That's completely been worked out. The video is down. Um but and you know we've kind of given our side of the story, which is it was a complete coincidence. It happens, and today we're going to talk about how it's happened multiple times to us, and how we kind of navigate this whole space and what our philosophy and approach is as creators who create a lot of stuff in a space where a lot of people are creating a lot of other stuff. But now we're going to pause to show some love to our sponsors. We know from experience that one of the most frustrating aspects of a, having a growing business is finding qualified job candidates to potentially hire. Yeah, and we tried a lot of things. We once put up a uh, like one of those flyers on the telephone pole with the little tabs you could rip off, and we got a lot of candidates. Yeah, we did, as but, many candidates as we had rip-off yeah, tabs. one for one ratio, yep. but the problem is we didn't get a lot of quality candidates. And you know what? Those days are gone thanks to ZipRecruiter. On ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anybody else. And unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. What? Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free, that's right, free, just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ear. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ear. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ear. Over the past few years, Link, every 72 hours on average, I've heard you say one of the following things. Where are my keys? Where's my wallet? Usually to yourself. Yeah, but out loud where, where you can hear it, so maybe you'll help me. Where's my blank, basically? Yeah, yeah. I lose. Have you seen, have you seen my keys? No, I big, haven't seen your it's keys, It's a big man. blank, because I lose lots of things, but have you been hearing that recently? I haven't heard it in weeks. That's right. What have you heard? I have heard this. Mm-hmm. That beautiful tune. That is the glorious sound of me finding the thing I lost. Either, either my keys, my wallet, my laptop bag, even my bike. I could I could put one on my bike. I haven't. Because, you could put it on anything. Because that is the sound a tile makes when you're looking for your belongings. It is the tiny Bluetooth tracker that makes finding your stuff easy. And I love this thing. Uh, just open the free tile app on your phone to see your lost item on a map, and then you can quickly find your item by making the tile ring just like that, and it'll be back in your hands now, in listen, seconds. I don't typically lose things. But now that I have a tile in my wallet and on my keys, I'm almost 
having fun losing them on a regular basis just so I can hear that and find them. Yeah, it's like a fun treasure hunt. I mean, even if you lose your phone, all you gotta do is squeeze the tile itself and it'll make your phone make a noise so you can find it. And you can get yours today at gettile.com slash ear and save up to 30% per tile on a multi-pack, plus you get free shipping because tile makes the perfect gift. For a limited time, get a free gift box with a multi-pack order. Go to gettile.com slash ear. That's gettile.com slash ear. There are fans of Steve's from that whole situation that I don't think we could have told them anything to convince them no, that. In, in fact, right now, they they don't believe what we just said. There are people who will listen to what we just said and say, that's BS, but you, it's you too guys uncanny. are lying. And they could point out very specific things. Um, Tig Notaro came out a couple of weeks ago and said that. More than a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is. This a couple is, months ago. Um, there was an issue with a Louis C.K. sketch on SNL about a. Birthday clown. A birthday clown being ordered by a guy, just one guy. So it's like a clown showing up for a party, but then it's just Louis C.K. sitting on the couch. Yeah. Now, it turns out that Tig has had. I don't know all the facts, but for a, a long-standing sketch that went to film festivals and then is a part of um, like a touring show where it's the same concept. She orders a clown mm -hmm. to cheer her up and it's really awkward because it's just one clown. Now, um, the specifics are a little bit different after that, but hers has a happy ending. And hers is a short film that has a, that, that, that's sort of the, the, the heart of the film is that she's lonely and, and, and calls. It's like, it's like 10 minutes. Yeah. But the Louis C.K. thing on SNL was. A three minute sketch. Maybe maybe two and a half minutes, something yeah. like that. But I mean there was, there was a big controversy over that because it was so similar and it was, it, I think just for a normal viewer, it's it's just very easy to believe that okay. So they how ripped, can, how they can ripped, you come up they, with those two ideas? They ripped that off. How could you come up with that? Now, it, my my point is, you could. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened. I have nothing to do with any of the situation, but I know based on our own experience. Even if you look at the thing with Bo the Bob Ross thing, it's like, all right, you get you, you have an idea, which for us was a shake weight and Bob Ross. And then you end up like making comedic choices, which are very um, interchangeable or very comparable to choices that another comedian made. Well, another way to say that is if you put with Bob Ross, if you put two comedians in a, in an environment and you give them something to riff on, you give them a, something to parody, and there are two people who are of the same era in the same culture and in are comedians. A lot of the jokes present themselves. Are gonna, yeah, yeah. So the same kinds of jokes present themselves. When you have that initial idea, happens all the of, time. The initial idea of what if a birthday clown showed up and it was an adult who just ordered them as if they were a stripper. Yeah, just one person. Just or just for personal entertainment. Leave the stripper part out. It's like that. That's just a funny thought, right? Because birthday clowns are funny and. Uh, comedians like to think about how to how to subvert that or explore that in a and, sketch form. And once we and first then, heard about it, well, one, no, once once you have that idea as a comedian, and then you start pitching ideas in your brain, it's like it very quickly gets to specific jokes, 
I think, in terms of like, okay, at what point does the clown realize that he is is has been ordered by an audience of one, and what would that clown say? Well, it turns out. I guess I'm here early. They both yeah, said. They both uh, said. Am I here early? You know, they some of the same specific things. Now, when we saw that before we got a, the other the other side of the story, the, or the, the the rest of the story, we both were like, okay, this is easily could could be explained as a complete coincidence. Now. Tignataro came out and stated that a person who was involved in the development of that sketch on SNL had very clear knowledge of what she had done, mm-hmm. had definitely seen it. I don't know that the the extent because she didn't call out any names. She was careful not to call out names, at least at the time. I don't. I'm not exactly sure. I can't. I, I looked before we started this and I couldn't get an update. But it turns out that there probably is a, a creative connection. There's somebody involved in the development of the SNL thing that had clear knowledge of what she had done. So And there it, yeah, there was there was certainly an overlap in 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 creative in professional s- spheres. And if that's the case, even though the two of them, Louis CK and Tig hadn't talked for a year and a half. Right. Well, um, and, how, and how involved was Louis in in that? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, when you go to host, I don't know. It's, I don't more, know. it's probably more on the SNL writers than it is Louis, but But it's like we're in we're in so such a similar circle as Steve. And I mean, YouTube is a, it's it's a big place, but it's kind of a small place in the same way. It's like we haven't seen him in a long time or talked to him, but the videos are floating around. It's so hard to believe that we wouldn't have seen his character, but I hadn't. You know, it's like the 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 guys who conceptualized on our team had not seen it, yeah. and so I can very easily, and I think when I'm in the minority and feeling this way, believe that. The Tig and Louis C.K. things could have happened 100% independent. Now, if even with an even with an overlap, now when she when she says, "Now I know of a, at least one specific person who this could go through," then all of a sudden, all right, if there is a specific connection, it's just hard to it's hard to prove that any of that happened. But I'm saying whether you can prove it or not. If there was someone who was inspired, maybe they forgot. And then, or I mean, if if they knew, if they forgot, that's unfortunate. But if they knew about her sketch and then started pitching it as a, in an SNL environment, that's crossing a line. Yeah, that is definitely crossing a line. Yeah, you, you, you can't do that. You can't say, and it, well, we're going to take this idea. I bet a million people have come up with this idea. I just know of Tiggs, but we're going to take it and we're going to make some different choices. Well. It wasn't different enough. Yeah, you know, um, and that's wrong. But I think it again. It's like, did you know, and what did you do with that knowledge? Did you try to steer clear of it, or did you take the best parts and then make different choices? I think that's well, and that's, that's yeah. So it's not going to work, right? So in that case, if there was that knowledge, then we think that the a line was crossed. I mean, mm-hmm. both of them were funny, but and if you made the thing, I bet it, and and. and She's put it in film festivals and she's toured with it. I think, and all of her fans, she said, were barraging her with, look at what they did to you. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a groundswell of people. It makes it really difficult to not feel taken advantage of and ripped off, you yeah. know? Um, even though it's it's very, it, it's, it's crazy how these things happen. Well, let's talk about a specific example with us and how we were able to catch it before it happened. Uh, so we the get off the phone song. Yeah, so we we have a song that's from a number of years ago called "Get Off the Phone," 
uh, which was actually back when we were doing a lot of sponsor music videos, and this was uh, in partnership with Buick. We've, we've, we've had a lot of sponsors. Yes, we worked with Buick, created a song that was, it was actually uh, uh, anti-texting and, um, not. it wasn't even anti-texting and driving, it was just about people. Being in the moment. Being in the moment. That, that was their tagline, be in the moment. So we were like. Be in the moment in a Buick. Well, we wanna make fun of people being on their phones, everyone can relate to that. And you know, we, we very quickly came up with well, what ended up being, get off the phone now, gonna be okay. But the name of our song before that was Put Your Phone Down, and we had a chorus, which was yeah. Put Your Phone Down. It was Put the Phone Down. I we think had it the was melody. Put Your Phone Down. Put Your Phone Down, just like that. Put Your Phone Down, and then. And we had conceptualized the whole video, right? We, we hadn't written all of the lyrics, but we had conceptualized the jokes. We write songs in different ways, but this one was, we had a chorus that was put your phone down and then we had a few lyrics but we had kind of mapped out where we wanted to go. We knew we wanted a coffee shop scene. Yeah, we were going into situations where people were on their phones when yeah. they should have been in the moment and we were gonna take the phone and destroy it in front of them and that was gonna be funny. Right, so we had a coffee shop scene where somebody was gonna be, uh, instead of ordering, you know, you've got somebody who's on their phone and they're supposed to be ordering when they get to the front of the line so we were gonna take that person's phone and like put it in uh, coffee. We had a a scene where, um, oh, we actually we, no, we had a urinal scene where we were pulling up next to, we were coming up next to somebody and peeing on the side of a pulling dude, pulling up, pulling out right next oh, to gosh. a guy, uh, flanking a dude who was at a urinal on his phone, and we were going to sing about this is so stupid and take his phone and throw it in the urinal, and then we actually had an idea for a whole like montage scene set to dubstep music, where we were going to be going around and knocking people's phones out of their hands like to, dubs, a, like to dubstep vi music. violently and. Now, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. Somehow, right before we had Matter got. Fact, you're not allowed to believe it. We got this far. To put this into perspective about how coincidences can work creatively. We got that far, we had that much planned and then one of us was looking up something on this, the internet. I remember this being a couple of days worth of work for us. Oh, easy. We found a song called Put Your Phone Down. It was a rap, and it was by the guy who did the Whole Foods rap, which you can get, you can find this song on the Fog and Smog Films channel on YouTube. Put your it's phone down. It's getting real in the Whole Foods parking lot. We knew about this guy. Yeah. And something, something the Whole Foods parking lot. So that was his thing that went really big, and this was his other song, which was after that, Put Your Phone Down. Let me tell you some things that happened in his video. First of all, and it, we was called, it was called Put Your Phone Down, and that was the name of our song. The exact name of a phone. Now we had song. never, even though we knew about the guy and we knew his other song. We had never seen the We no. had never seen this no, no. song. It was a lot smaller. Video. There was a coffee shop scene in which he was in line with somebody who was waiting, uh, who, who was on their phone instead of ordering. There was a urinal scene in which he comes up next to a guy who's on the phone at the urinal. And then there was a montage at the end of the music video where two dubstep music, he was knocking people's phones out of their hands. I'm not making this up. Those are the, we had those exact same three ideas, including the song title, and we had never seen this dude's video. I swear on my life, we had never seen this video, and we came. You sound so defensive, though. You need no, to, you need to pull no, back because I think people don't believe that this kind of stuff happens. And I'm saying no, it's happened too many times to us. Oh you yeah. You come up with ideas like if you're gonna okay, so if you're gonna do something where you talk about people being on the phone in annoying places and awkward places, oh, coffee shop ordering. Urinal. I mean, these are things that it, people end up thinking about, and then, but specifically the dubstep thing. Not so. We yeah, completely like, undid everything. We changed the name of the song, 
to get off the phone. We didn't change the melody. <laughs> uh, we just changed. We got well because like, our melody like, was ours. Our, we, we, well, yeah, it, the song was completely. And I different. didn't want to have to redo that, so I we just came up with words that would fit. And we changed the get off the phone now. Why is now? Why would you say now at the end of that? Because we had to. Right. Because we, we needed like, another syllable. Put the phone down is better. Yeah, like, we had to say now. Put the phone down. That's what people say. Get off the phone now. Sucks. Right, but we had to do it because of this guy. And we were mad. And, I was mad. And we took the and we took those scenes out. We took Not those scenes us. out. There's no urinal scene. There's no dubstep montage of us knocking people's phones out. I'm still very proud of what we did. But then it took us a couple of days to and it didn't rework matter. everything. It didn't matter how successful his music video was. No. To us at that point, it was just like, first of all, we may see this guy in the Whole Foods parking lot. <laughs> yeah. It's get, and it'll get real. It'll get real out. there. We've we've actually never met the guy since then. But I would I don't want to walk around almost meeting him somewhere and then have to like be like yeah like explaining myself. Well, but out of principle, if his video had one view, if his video was private and had one view, and I got the password to his Vimeo video from my cousin, it doesn't matter how many people have seen it because out of principle we don't do that. But the thing is, is that if your video has been seen by a couple of thousand people at least, which this one was, you know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, you we you can't get away with that. We would have never done the the uh, a Dave and Ross ripoff if we knew about it, because the th- not not only out of principle, but also because we're not stupid. You can't do that kind of thing and get away with it. And I think that's why when Steve's fans came after us, that. That made me mad because it was like, who do you think we are? You think we would do this on Pe- purpose? People don't know. People don't know what we would do. They don't know how we feel about this. That's one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast. I know, but that's what that's what that was a re- the emotional reaction I had. It's just like you don't know how we feel about this. You don't know how this is such a precious thing to yeah, us. Yeah, we that think we've about had, it all the time. We've been doing this job for. You know, we've been on YouTube 11 years, you know, and this is something that we've encountered so many times. We, we're point, very sensitive well, about let, it. Well, let's, let's stay on the music thing. So, I mean, as musical comedians, I remember the first time we saw Flight of the Concords, their HBO special. And we had a sinking feeling. And it was like, I felt, I felt nauseous. Like I wanted to vomit because it was, it was hilarious. They it was so good. It was two guys who had better accents than us, yeah. being a lot funnier than we thought than we could have hoped to have been. And doing a lot better music sing, too. Singing, singing songs and that was the one thing that we were really put place in our hopes And then in. Jermaine's hair and glasses kind of looked like you. And then. I mean, that, that, that was just insult to injury right so there. So then for years, whenever we would write a song, a lot of our instincts that they nailed, because we, we have similar musical taste. I mean, uh, their album was a, was a parody of uh, Seals and Crofts, Summer Breeze, mm-hmm. which is very specific, and but I knew it because I love Seals and Crofts, you know, um, and but then all of a sudden now we had to run interference on every melody we chose. Well, and specifically every, what we would do is we would be if you're playing, you know, I'm playing a song on the guitar because we would see we didn't want to be seen as a ripoff of them. Yeah. And, well, and a lot of so so we and you can't say well we just have the same musical taste and trust me we were doing this and well, well specifically what would happen though is we would be singing 
And when you want to get a lot of you want to get a lot of jokes into a song, a lot of times you'll start singing like this and start saying some things. And then when our voices got kind of low and we got kind of like this and started moving our heads like it this, it would make us laugh. We would realize we're doing this because we're fans of Flight of the Concords. And then we would have to completely go away from that. And so I don't know if there's any songs that I think a lot of our songs moved the complete opposite direction musically because we were so sensitive about not ever seeming like them. Well, we also because did that's what people, you know, recognized as musical comedy at the time. We did a lot of I think we leaned more into doing rap music because we were also, you know, fans of rap and when you think of rap, you think of a rap battle. And then when you start titling a rap battle on the internet, you title it, you put or you title anything on the internet, at least at this point in time, you put epic in it. So therefore, we said let's do an epic rap battle. Yeah, so we made and our then, first epic rap battle which was just the two of us dressed up, which incidentally, just a weird little thing is that in the epic rap battle song, I said, um, look at this turtleneck and a necklace you'll be wearing this next year and then a year later, Lonely Island came out with Turtleneck and Chain, which was the name of their album. Had nothing to do with what we did, trust yeah, me, they didn't see it. And, it was and, a complete coincidence. And we saw, we saw fans telling and us, Lonely Island ripped you off. It's like, no. We we no, just, they didn't rip us off. We know they didn't rip us off. We, we made know a, how this works. We made a fashion joke and we're flattered that they thought the same thing was funny 100% independently but of that. more Because they had come up with that before we did. But specifically, we did the epic rap battle and then literally, just a couple of months later, Nice Peter and Epic Lloyd come out with Epic Rap Battles of History. The first one, yeah. The first one was and, after our Epic Rap Battle. And we talked, we had, we've had both of them on the show. We had Pete on the show first and we talked to him about it. We had talked to him about it off mic, but on mic he repeated the story which was, I knew you guys because I had met you, but I hadn't seen your Epic Rap Battle. We came up with Epic Rap Battles of History, again, you're you're a musical comedian on YouTube. You're going to put epic in a title with rap battle. He loved rap. He added a brilliant thing that we didn't, which yeah. was historical characters. And he deserves every. They deserve every bit of accolade that they've gotten. And um, I don't know if they drew any comparisons early on, or if the fans went after him. But then it got so big that thank goodness that our epic rap battle came out first because we would have seemed like. We wouldn't. Have, we would not have done epic rap battle of manliness or epic rap battle nerd versus geek, our, our most viewed video ever. Yeah. If we, if our first epic rap battle was not released before that, because I would have just felt like we couldn't prove. Well, our fans wouldn't have been able to take up for us. And even then, when we did epic rap battle of manliness, we had Pete and Lloyd make a cameo in it because we wanted to make sure that the viewers would know that the dudes who do epic rap battles of history are cool with the dudes who do epic rap battle of manliness because technically the guys who did epic rap battle of manliness did epic rap battle first. That's us, we did it first. But it's not about who did it first. The whole point of what we're saying is that these things happen independently, and uh, but we're gonna we're gonna get into talking about things where plenty of examples where there are, there has been inspiration, like the way that we kind of approach this, like we don't cr ever cross the line into plagiarism, but we are inspired, and our work is completely and totally inspired by other people all the time. But but, the, but these specific examples are more to explain that there's all kinds of examples from what we've done where people do things, we do things. 
seems like they're seems like people are completely ripping you off, and it's but not. But they're one hundred percent independent. Independent. It's, it's all that, coincidence. So here's another example of us not realizing it that we were doing it that we were creating something that was converging on someone else's um, property, intellectual property. I remember we were sitting in, a, in that mountain cabin coming up with ideas. Mountain cabin. That, and we were writing things on a whiteboard and we were talk. you just had this, I'm gonna give you this idea. I don't remember whose idea it was, it probably mine. <laughs> you had recently been probed. We're talking about show and tell. We were like, what if, what if kids did show and tell, but it was show, show and, and yell. yell? It's like, and that just made us laugh. Mm -hmm. And so then we just we just kept going with that. We we're like, yeah, let's let's like give kids things to tell about, but they're talking to a camera, but they're not talking. They're yelling. Like it's show and tell with yelling from kids. It's and we like, had them bring in that. Just seems crazy. So then we then we did it. We were and, like, and we we brought them in and we gave them. Uh, we told them to bring some of their toys. So they brought some toys they could legitimately do show and tell about show and yell. And we set up this whole thing where we we're like, okay, we want the kids to feel like they're talking to the audience directly. We we really thought that it was important that the audience member felt like the kids were just staring right into their soul and yelling at them about their favorite teddy bear or whatever the case That's may when we be. did the whole Errol Morris thing, right? Which we didn't know existed. Ben told us that it existed. Yeah, it was a technique that we thought we invented because we wanted people to look into the camera but we wanted to be able to give them direction so we set up a teleprompter which had, we were being shot, video of us as the director was being shot and put on a teleprompter in front of a camera filming a kid so that the kid could look straight into the lens, but there was the screen in front of them. Would be our faces. Would be our faces, so whenever we would give direction, like, okay, Roger, tell me about your teddy bear. He would look at me, and and I would like nod my head and like give a response. And we it, were in a different room. A, a kid can't look at a camera and give, you know, give a natural the response. The kid will look naturally to the person who's talking, so we had to have the person talking in the camera, basically, and we went into a different room. So we had hours of conversations with Ben about how to pull this off, and he came up with the teleprompter thing, and we worked it all out, and we were really excited about this technical thing that we invented, which we didn't, and in order to do this thing, which, well, that's that interesting. was totally original. Well, because what we're finding is that even in telling the stories, which this isn't even what the story's about, you find out that you independently came up with something, because Errol Morris, great documentarian, uh, documentarian, uh, Vernon, Florida is a great documentary that you should watch that he made. Um, but he kind of created this technique of interviewing people so people would be looking at the camera and we didn't even realize that we had independently replicated the technique and done it for these kids. But that's not even what the story's about. And we, I mean we had cast all these kids and we had to bring them in and we had our friends bring their kids in and they were all excited about being in a Rhett and Link video and then we're like, we get all this footage we also, but we also gave them, besides them bringing their toys in, we gave them old technology, like old phones. Stuff they would not have stuff, a clue what it was. Because old calculators. Them, them talking about things they didn't have a clue what it was mm -hmm. would be very funny. And then. And hopefully we'd be right that if they were yelling it wouldn't be uh, annoying. Uh, and that's a big question and mark while, if we were even right about the whole thing. Right. And while we were in the process, we were in post-production, we had, we had filmed these kids for two days straight like 10 hour days. We were sitting there in the in the edit bay putting the stuff together and we happened to see that the Fine Brothers, good friends of ours, had released 
on their, it wasn't even their React channel at the time, it may have just been Fine Brothers before they came out with a React channel, I can't remember. They had kids React on their channel, so they did have kids. But they had, specifically they had moved to a place where instead of kids reacting to videos, kids were reacting to things that they were being handed and, spe and it was specifically old technology, like old phones and stuff like that. And we were like, you know what? We have to scrap this entire project. Call the parents, tell them that we're not gonna do, use the footage, we're sorry, we paid them whatever appearance fee that we had given them, but that was it. We own the footage, we still have it, but we've never released it because we found out that the Fine Brothers did something that, it wasn't show and yell, the kids weren't yelling, the kids, but the kids were looking, and we were like, if we're gonna expand this series and do the things that we wanna do with it and then go into the natural places that we would want to go, it's gonna very quickly become this very, this thing that is comparable to Kids React and we can't do that because we don't do that. By no means, even if they weren't friends of ours. Right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But especially because they were. And you might say, well in hindsight, it's like guys, you were so close to that. You're talking about doing videos with kids, reacting to something you hand them. Well, first of all, we, we didn't look at it that way. We didn't realize that at the time. That's how I can say it now and how I realize a viewer would see it. But it was like, okay, they had kids reacting to videos, period, that was it. They hadn't placed anything in their hand and they didn't have them talking directly to the audience, but again, you know. No, but the, they did. That's that's specifically what I just said. That's no, what, that's, that's what. When we conceptualized our idea, oh, that didn't exist. Yeah, when we conceptualized the idea. We had all the stuff in the can and then they released that and it was just like, we what, like, we, did, what yeah. we didn't realize was that a natural expansion of kids reacting to videos it's very specifically is kids reacting to stuff that you would hand them and then what's the first thing you're gonna hand them? They handed them the same stuff we did because they're smart. Like a Walkman. Producers. Yeah. They handed them the same stuff. And it's not because they got the idea, we were like, they got into our Google Doc or we got into their Google <laughs> no. Doc. It's just because once, <laughs> you, Doc. once you, you put people in, it's, it's, it's kinda like when somebody has a concussion. It's like the, the, the old story that we've told a million times about Link's concussion in college when he, when he hit his head. And or he, the colonoscopy, I guess. So, and I've told the story a million times and, we, and I tell the story in detail in our book. Bookofmythicality.com available for pre-order. Um, Don't make it sexy. When, no, uh, when, when, I, when, I, when I sell something I make it sexy because sex sells, man. When so, I sell something I'ma make it sexy. It's kind of that. So you said. I'ma make it look sexy. Hold on, I'm just coming to, evidently I hurt my left hip and you said it a hundred times that night which is a very specific phrase, but it was because you were put in the same situation. You were constantly coming to and you were trying to figure, and so your brain resets and says the exact same thing. You put a comedian or a producer or somebody who's in the same environment and who's constantly trying to make internet videos that people like, you put them in the same scenario, you tell them to come up with an idea that riffs on something, they're going to come up with similar things. And that's why we've gotten to a point where now we don't go through the trouble of bringing a bunch of kids in and filming something. We don't make the video, we don't write the song, we don't come up with a melody. As soon as we have an idea, we go on this Google dive. Uh, and sometimes we get very, and sometimes it's hard to do it because you get super excited about the idea and you wanna, move, you wanna develop the idea and you wanna move it along, but you gotta stop, you gotta Google it. You gotta see if it's been done before. You gotta see if it's, something's been done that's like it. And then once you see it, you have to make a decision. How are we going, are we gonna just scrap this or are we gonna change this? Like how are we going to react? Which I think GMM is a perfect, Yeah, it's a perfect uh, 
is we, we run stuff through this all the time having over a thousand episodes of GMM. We have to answer this question all the time. Yeah, there's so many videos um, and you know, I, and, and a lot of them, we're not even developing videos but we're developing formats. And then, we, you know, we're, we're not talking about what other people have done. I, you know, I do feel like we develop formats on GMM and then they show up in other places. All the time. Um, and it's easy, it, the knee jerk reaction is to take it personally or to see it as a ripoff. That, sometimes that could be the case, sometimes it's not, but it's like we can't control what other people do. No. But so again, we're still focusing on what, what we do and what our approach is, I think is this point. But I mean there was, a, there was an example just a few hours ago. We were talking about yeah. um, a GMM episode called food court. You know, we do so much food related stuff and it's like, all right, we're gonna ha let, let's develop something with three people, either three guest hosts or the two of us and another another person because food food court is a thing in the mall and a court is a thing where you've got a judge and then you got two lawyers. It That's like a three great people. Idea. And as soon and, as Micah said it, when Micah said food court, I was like, I don't even know the specific idea, but I love it already because yeah. it, because I can see exactly where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. And then we get excited about it and about three minutes into this exciting conversation, Eddie says, Tastemade did it, Tastemade did it already, food court, here it is. And, we're so, and it's like, <laughs> you talk about like pricking the balloon because it's hard to come up with ideas. It's hard to come up with good ideas. I wanted to kill Eddie right then. It was like, it's like, why do I want to kill Eddie? Eddie's the Eddie's the not only the messenger. Thank goodness he's bringing this up because we would have gone like, another it's so fifteen emotional. minutes. We would have gone another half hour. We would have developed the whole episode. It's such, we would have developed the creative, and then he would have found it. But in that moment, you know, you you sense that frustration. It's like, don't tell me that. Well, and so okay, and so this is what how we decided to proceed. We bring the videos up, we watch them, and we see that, okay, well, this is actually a little bit more like our old series Debaterama where they were debating the, you know, debating between two foods, and it's also scripted, so it's more of a sketch thing. They haven't, done it, thing. They haven't done it in a year. Not that it matters how old it is, but it's like, okay, well, we wanna do something. They're not, it's not a current in-production series that would, that is a direct competitor. But that doesn't really matter because it's out there and like we said, out of principle, we don't copy people. That's but true. we came up with the idea independently and so we were like, okay. But, but if it, uh, the only reason I said if it's, if it's happening right now is that I might just back away totally. But it's like, okay, this is not an active property. It, it it seems like it didn't work out for them. Right, because. So I'm, let's continue the conversation. Because we have to an answer the question. Do you yet. shut it down right. or, and, or do you change it? And if you change it, how do you change it? So the way that, and we haven't fully developed the idea, but we were like, you know the thing that we really like about this idea is that there are our, three, our three idea, people. Not, not our what, idea. So yeah. just to clarify, not what we like about their idea, but what we like about our idea that wasn't their idea yeah. that they had independently. Now, and what we like about our idea is the fact that it's three people, something that we can do with a guest. It is food related, which we, we know that people love food related videos. And we love the idea of two people having to make a case uh, about some kind of food, but would it would involve people having to eat it. The consequence is the, the winner of the argument doesn't have to eat, um, the judge eats it, and the loser has to eat their own thing. And that was, and that's as far as we can tell, that's. And that's completely uh, different than their idea. Totally different. Their idea is, is, is just a debate, there's no eating, it's a sketch, it's scripted, whatever. 
So we and have decided to move forward. We don't know when the idea is gonna come. So then I'm GMM. like, but we can't call it food court, which is an amazing idea. We can't we can't call it that. So why not judge foodie? <laughs> you know, so it's like right. so maybe I don't know what we're gonna call it, but that's like the working idea now. Yeah, and that's like, this is fresh. That literally happened right before we came in here. We were having that that brainstorming meeting. And if the, and if this comes out on the internet before we make it and someone does judge foodie, I I swear I'm coming after yeah, you. Yeah, well we have agents for that kind of thing. Do you know, not steal. It would be so ironic. Agent, and I know you think it's funny to steal death. the thing that we talk about in the podcast about not stealing people's stuff. Don't you do it. Yeah. Don't you do it. We actually won't send anybody to kill you. We wouldn't do that either. I just said agent of death because we'll bring you to us to kill you. Really just kind of just uh I was just being sensational. I don't think anybody should die because of it. But I mean Roy and guava juice having tremendous success with doing lots of things that hmm. um, we are akin to things that we do on Good Mythical Morning. And this is yeah, this is a very weird thing how all this came down. So it's like we want to you know there's well there's the bath thing which I'll get to, but then there's the okay it's like we want to do something on fidget toys, and then well we're literally we have the we, whole we, thing planned. So then we we plan the whole thing about what we want to do. But then we look, we just search fidget toys and we see what's out there. Well, it was so, like okay. we had planned the, what we were gonna do and then like two days before we were gonna shoot our fidget toys episode. Yeah, we had ordered and acquired, like we literally had all of our fidget toys. He came out with his fidget toys video, which was kind of a typical guava juice video where he's just kind of being crazy with a bunch of fidget toys. On his second channel. And we were like, well, that's kind of what we were gonna do. I mean, of course, we're totally different style than what Roy does, uh, but similar in in a lot of ways in that we're gonna be, what's the Retin Link take on fidget toys? So what we decided to do because we had planned the whole thing, we're like, well, lots of people are talking about fidget toys, they're kinda in the news. We're gonna talk about fidget toys, we're gonna play with fidget toys, we're gonna play with different fidget toys that he played with and then our angle is gonna be how we think that there's like a poor man's everyday version of a fidget toy. So like you would hold up something that was a real fidget toy and I would be like, well what about this? Like you had the thing with all the little buttons on it, I held up a universal remote and I was like, I think this is yeah, just so, as good. So that so, was our comedic angle so on it was and a, we moved forward with there it. There was a comedic take but there was also a scientific take which allowed us to um, title the video, are, are fidget toys bad for you? Or whatever we called it. Right. So we wanted to have a legitimate scientific conversation about it because that's what people cared about. Legitimate science is what we're all about, Link. We wanna have a legitimate conversation about science which may or may not have been accurate. But the bath thing is even more interesting. So back in the day when Roy uh, and Alex were together as the Wasabi Brothers, before they were doing their things independently, they did an ice bath challenge. Now, I don't think that they were the first people to do an ice bath challenge and a lot of people have done ice bath challenges since, but this is the challenge whole area genre of YouTube is a little bit different because the whole idea of like an ice bucket challenge mm -hmm. uh, or the baby food, food challenge is that, well, it's not anybody, everybody's supposed to do it. When you come up with that idea, the expectation is that millions of people will end up doing this idea. And so we like to get in on those challenge videos, but we like to do our little spin on them, right? Well, so, we require that of ourselves. It's not just that we like to do it. It's like we never want to just seem like we're doing, we're jumping on a bandwagon. Right. We always go to great lengths to, from a production standpoint, a planning standpoint, and a comedy standpoint, do do it on our own terms so that it feels different. Yeah, so with that I one in particular, we had like, we talked, we, again, we talked about the science behind it a little bit, like what the actual purpose of this was, and then we 
got ridiculous and we sang the Frozen song and then you found the Sprite and we did all the sort of the comedic beats that we wanted to do. But then, not too long after that, we had the idea for uh, us to bathe in cereal during one of our backup plan Geico videos when we were at the cereal factory and so we had this giant cereal bowl created. This is the inspiration for the cover of the Book of Mythicality, available at bookofmythicality.com for pre-order. I'm gonna make it look sexy. So, uh, but that's where that whole thing comes from and so we started taking baths and weird things like the cereal and then ranch dressing and chicken noodle soup. At the same time, Roy had- bathing in all types of Roy stuff. Roy and Alex had decided they were gonna do their own things and so they each have their own channel and now Roy's got guava juice. And they both continued to do bath challenges beyond ice and now Roy is bathing in something every week or it seems like I always see him in a different bathtub. He's so clean. And so now it's got this like, well you guys did the ice bath challenge when you were together. We did it, kinda did our own take on it. Now we're bathing in other stuff but now you're bathing in stuff and you're doing it a whole lot more. And now people on YouTube would associate you with weird bathtubs filled with things. And so now if you bathe in something, we can't bathe in it. And you're bathing in things all the time it just this is the world that this is the world that we live in, we, and it's frustrating. Like we're not mad at Roy by no. any means, but it's like he found something that's working it, and he's doing it. But it, in the in the strictest definition of frustration, when your plans are thwarted or made more difficult, it's 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 our own creative problem with the parameters that we put up. It's like all right, maybe we were not going to get in tubs as much, and we but, and we haven't because of that. But maybe we can make a human nacho. No bath as long there. As, as long as Roy hadn't done it, like that, it it matters that much to us that like we have to do things that are different, or we and we have to do them on our own terms. And and, I, and even with all that said, we're still going to end up doing things that something falls through the cracks. We you know somebody releases something. Uh, a lot of times it happens with Buzzfeed. Well, they 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 will release something between the time that we've planned and shot something because we shoot things ahead of time at times when we have to based on our schedule. And sometimes we've got something completely edited and ready to go and then BuzzFeed will do something that's so much like what we've come up with that we just have to be like, well we can't, we don't have time to replace that. We've, we've just gotta throw it out there. And I hate it if it seems like, okay, BuzzFeed much? It's like, you know, yeah. the, the, those commenters who don't understand how much we care about this and that it was just a coincidence that we both had this idea and it came out within days of each other, well, but we were on the wrong side of that well, those days. And the thing is, is that because there are a lot of people out there, we're not gonna name specific names, uh, there are a lot of organizations and companies out there and some people who don't approach this in the way that we do. And if they see something that works, they just take it and they do it exactly the same way. They may have a slightly different voice, but they do videos that are titled in exactly the same way that you know, you've know you got, uh, I see this all the time, you've got BuzzFeed has the Worth It series, uh, so it's like $500 pie versus $5 pie or whatever the, whatever the different things are and then you see that that has become a genre of video that now lots of people do. This amount of thing, this dollar amount versus this dollar amount and it might be somebody who's like, I'm gonna do a tech version of that or mm -hmm. I'm gonna do this version of that. Well, we're not gonna do that. We don't do that as a principle. It happens accidentally sometimes, but because there are so many people out there who are willing to do it and just see it as, ah, oh, this is how the internet works. You just take inspiration and from you know people. What? Because that exists, it's natural for us to then be accused of that if we do something that appears that way and it's gonna happen because we make so much content. And we're people. We're you people, know, man. We're not, 
we're not an organization that the accountability kind of gets lost. You know, it's like if people start hating on in comments on an organization that makes videos. Companies can get away with it. Uh, well, even if they don't get away with it, just by the the sheer quantity of the work that's coming out, it gets lost in the mix. And okay. But we take it personally, like the whole. The well, because we're people. Yeah, but we may not have been involved in the development of that specific video on This Is Mythical, because this is how we run our business. We can't, we can't be involved in every single thing, and the, This Is Mythical is something that we kind of guide and offer creative direction for, but we're not involved in every detail. But when that accusation is levied at us, we take it personally because, well, ultimately we are personally responsible and people's, and this is mythical, is us. I mean, ultimately, mythical entertainment is us. Um, and the buck stops with us. And so that's why we do take it seriously. And if and if all of a sudden people think, oh, Rhett, Rhett and Link are up to that now, huh? Rhett and Link, if Rhett and Link are willing to copy now, that's where they're going. We're just like, no, you don't understand. This is This means a lot to us. And there's many creators that we've talked to, well, I take that back. I believe that there are many creators out there and we've talked to a handful of them that we know share our conviction and that they take it very seriously. Yeah. But the thing that, um, the place that the conversation goes is that, that, that doesn't make it easy. It's a difficult thing. And when you're pumping out a whole lot of videos, Boy, it gets difficult. That mm. show and y'all thing blindsided us, and that was a difficult thing it's, to let go when, of. When it takes that but much I'm so time. glad we did. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was like it was just it was our own fault. We we should have caught that a lot earlier. I think that's ultimately, you know, what we try to do in terms of our habits. Yeah. Well, and let's talk a little bit uh, about buddy system because yeah, this is happening different right genre. Now. You got like scripting things, conceptualizing stuff. It's a totally different world, but all the same stuff applies. And the risk in doing something like Buddy System is so much greater, right? Because we've, we're developing season two right now and the creative is pretty much locked into place, but you know we're coming up with specific dialogue and that kind of thing. But we're gonna shoot that and then it's gonna take months to, to edit. I don't know exactly when it's gonna come out, but between right now and the time that Buddy System goes live, Buddy System season two goes live, any one of the jokes that we come up with in this time frame could be done. Somebody could come up with the exact same idea for what our season is or whatever, and we're screwed. You can't reshoot any of that. And then you just have to be like, you know what? Guys, th I'm sorry that this joke ended up being the same. That's one thing that's we're scripted because it moves more slowly is, is really interesting. Yeah, when I look at Flickster, I was looking, um, I always look on reviews after I watch a movie to see if my opinion's right. Yeah. I just look at them to see what I'm supposed to think if, about them. If everyone else's opinion is right. And you can go down to upcoming movies and like scroll to like what's coming out in the future and you know, you get to a certain point when it's like 2018 and the only thing on there is like Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. You're like, oh no, we've already planned Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 as well. And it's on, <laughs> yeah. No, but I scroll all the way to the bottom and there's a Bureau of Otherworldly Investigation or something, it's B-O-O, -O. I don't know what the third O stands for but it's Ghostbusters starring Seth Rogen and somebody else. And it was gonna come out the same time as Ghostbusters with Kristen Wiig, yeah. around the same time, and then they shelved it for a while. I was like, dang, y'all need to take this thing off Flickster because it looks like it's hanging out there forever. And it, I, I just, I don't know, I have no clue what the story is, but I just infer that it's one of those situations where it's like, oh man, we working on our ghost movie. But then it got shelved for like two years because of 
somebody else's ghost. And we and we can't in our our size oh, company we can't afford that. I think if, I think if, if we make something, it's like oh crap, this is going out, guys. Sorry. So our goal, and I think we've succeeded, is to make buddy system as we talked about so out of left field, and every choice be the unexpected choice from a foundational level and how these how how it's structured, how episodes work, how the whole series works. But that doesn't mean that, that it would insure. It's an insurance policy against. It's seeming like we're biting anybody, yeah. Anybody else's ideas, but I don't want to. And I, we've kind of waited a while to get into this because I. But get into the it. honest truth is that we're not saying that we're not inspired by people. No, you know, and specifically, I think about Buddy System season one, and we were watching. We had been introduced to the Mighty Boosh just a couple of months before we started writing season one of Buddy Yeah, System. because people said that our Sketchtober video, the puzzle where we started singing impromptu. Crimping. Crimp, was crimping, which is what they call the thing that the Mighty Boosh does when they start singing a song like it's an inside joke, a cappella. And we had never seen we the Mighty Boosh. We had never seen them, and, but we were doing the exact same Thing. And people were like, oh, so you, oh, and people didn't say that we were biting them. People were like, oh, it's cool. You guys are crimping. You guys are doing what the Mighty Boosh does. And we were like, who's, uh, the, Mighty who's the Mighty Boosh? Then we watched their stuff, which if you have not watched it, it's all available on Amazon and probably other places. It's an uh, incredible British comedy. Two guys, musical comedy is so weird in a wonderful way. We absolutely love it. You should watch it. Do yourself a favor and watch it. We started, well, we once we started going down that rabbit hole, we couldn't resist watching the whole thing, like watching it with my boys, because there's a bunch of balls jokes, and I knew they balls would get jokes. Their kids love that. There's like mirror ball testicles yeah. in one scene. That's o- old Greg, right? Pretty amazing. Well, no, no, that's different. That's Swamp Man. I can't remember. But then right there's now. the old Greg scene where he's he a kangaroo type creature. Old with, Greg has a light that emits from his crotch in a really they're amazing very crotch centric. But I, there's a couple of things that happen. I applaud them for in that. Buddy, I didn't even think about this until right now. But you know how the light comes out of my mouth and goes into your mouth during that scene in the second episode of Buddy System season one. Yeah, that whole light thing, and I'm in the robe. You know, I that that was that permeated into our minds through the whole old Greg thing. Yeah, and it and then we realized it later, and we were like, because we conceptualize it that the light comes from your mouth into my mouth, and then it comes out of your crotch, comes right? out of my crotch, and goes into your crotch. Because it was going to be a big loop it was of be light, a circle. Yeah, like, but then we were the, like, you know what? I think we can do without the crotch. First of all, it's it's uh, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense. Second of all, like it's twice as expensive from a, a, a from an effect standpoint. If we just go from mouth to mouth, it's it's half as expensive. And it's and it and it there's a lot of light that comes from crotch and mighty boosh. So we shouldn't right. we shouldn't wear that on our sleeve. I mean, there's a, it it starts to seem like we're doing something specific. But then in episode the episode the soul searching episode episode six of season one, I think it is. There's the scene where I run into your character, Peter, who's a dude that lives out in the wilderness and wears only dirt shorts, dorts, and we have this weird interaction and you only want to dance with me. It's one of my favorite scenes of the whole series. And that guy is heavily inspired, not directly, but now looking back on it, I know indirectly by old Greg because the whole old Greg scene in The Mighty Boosh, he meets this weird dude who kinda wants to connect with him in a weird way Almost a romantic way, mm-hmm. and he's and he's just strange, and you can't really explain why he is where he is and why he wants to be who he is. And so we had a similar exchange where you wanted to dance with me, and you're trying to find all these ways. And your name is Peter, and you insist on it being no, it's Peter, Peter with a D, Peter, not Peter, Peter. 
And all that is the same kind of humor that they do in the Mighty Boosh. And I don't see that as plagiarism at all. I see that as inspiration. So I'm by no means am I saying that we're not inspired by other people all the time, but it is a little bit of a dangerous thing to be watching something while you're writing something else, which is interesting. Sturgill Simpson talked about how when he listened to Jason Isbell's album, uh, Southeastern, he listened to the first song and he said, and he stopped and he said, I'm not gonna listen to any more of this because it's so good, I'm gonna be overly influenced by it and he didn't even listen to Jason's last album because he's like, it's, he's too good. So they're friends and he hasn't even listened to his albums because he doesn't wanna be influenced by them. So some people are so protective of that, they wanna be original that they won't even listen to another artist when they're writing an album. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's just a byproduct of I, th I think that's a, a coincidental benefit of how limited I am in the stuff that I see. Like I don't, I didn't watch it, like you name any movie from the 80s, I never saw it. Right, and it's you, weren't, like, you weren't allowed around screens. It's kind of, no, that, that's not the reason. It was, it was weirder than that. It was like, we didn't go to the video store. You watch game shows. I, I watch game shows. I, I wasn't interested in watching movies. Your mom would like rent all these movies, you'd watch them with her, you watch all types of stuff. Yeah. I didn't want you know I didn't watch Back to the Future until I was an adult with my kids. Right. Um, I haven't seen Top Gun. I haven't seen. Oh gosh, let's not get yeah, going. Yeah, we don't on this. even have to do it. But it's an advantage. Like, you know, uh, we we're talking to somebody that I think it was Steve who direct who's directing Buddy System season two, and he was like, "You guys watch a lot of Monty Python, didn't you?" And I was like, "Well, I'm familiar with it, but." And I take that as a compliment, but not really. Right. But it's like, and that's the, it's a great thing to like inadvertently stumble on something that people um, start to think that you were inspired by some something great comedically. When the honest truth in that instance was, nah, we just kind of came up with some stuff. Well, you know, it's it, like, it, it so, cuts both ways because if you're a lot of writers, they're supposed to, you know, it's prescribed by a lot of writers and filmmakers that you should be watching and ingesting a lot of different things. And one of the ways that that helps is you make sure that you don't replicate exactly. You know, you're not copying anybody, but you're just being inspired by them. Mm -hmm. So we actually stand the chance, kind of coming full circle, of accidentally doing exactly the same idea because nothing is actually new. No, there's no original ideas. Everything's a remix, and so. We have to rely on other people. You know, we've got uh, for se for season two of Buddy System, we actually have some writers that we're working with, as opposed to us just taking the whole first season like we did. And we trust that they're more informed. And they've seen more stuff than we have, mm -hmm. and they can be like, "No, that is." And that, this hasn't happened yet, uh, but right. no, you can't do that. But speak, speaking of Steve Pink, who's directing the second season, uh, incredible guy, super excited to work with him, mm -hmm. and he's made some incredible films. But in our first meeting with him. He specifically brought up the discreet charmer of the bourgeoisie, this crazy French film from the seventies that we which newsflash I had not seen, and, and I <laughs> and, and, and having seen a lot of things, I had never even heard of it, and so I, I cannot pronounce or spell bourgeoisie. Yeah, so he had this. Uh, he was like, I don't know how this came up, but, but he was no, like, he was talking about left scene, left turn choices. Yeah, and he was talking about the scene like where uh, a guy, a person comes up. To the main character in this in this uh, movie, and they're like, "I have a story," and they begin to tell their story, and then that story becomes this very—I don't know how long it is—but very long scene, and then the story's over, and that's it. 
And we were like, we love that idea. We love that kind of idea. So we're actually doing something similar in an episode of Buddy System. And I don't wanna give away the details, but we're taking something that you might think would just be a, a sm- moment. A moment, and we're turning it into the entire episode. And we're doing that because of, he, we didn't even see the movie. He just told us about this concept it of was taking a story and move, so we don't know what the story is, but the concept. Was inspired, we were inspired by the bold choice. And, but if we watch the thing and then it's like, and then, the specifics of that choice, we're gonna do the same thing. Well, then that starts to get dicey. And, you and get I'm not even trouble. gonna watch the movie. Well, we've already come up with the whole story and what happens, and it's the most ridiculous thing we've ever come up with, by the way. It is. I think. I think it's the dumbest yeah. thing we've ever come up with, and I'm so proud of it's, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be crazy. It's not gonna be easy to shoot. No, yeah. Because a lot of us outdoors. I don't know how we're gonna do it. But that you know what you know you're in the right place when we when you look in front of you and you the task seems impossible you're like oh we must be doing the right thing or you're about to die <laughs> I mean right then you just curse so and, and I think in this instance well Steve's seen the movie well you know we can cross reference with him that we haven't there's no way we could have made the same choice no it's just it's so the crazy same kind but, of choice. but again we've proven that it is possible. But again, he's seen it and we're gonna ask him. In general, I think, what's our approach in terms of a summary? I think it's, this is an interesting thing because it's like when you get really excited about something and you're conceptualizing it, when it's still very early on, you gotta Google it. But (laughs) it's such a, it's so like throwing, what's it called when you throw water on something? Cold water? It's like throwing cold water on a, Hot, hot and bothered person. person. Yeah. And I mean hot as in temperature, not like a good looking person. I don't really know what it's your analogy is. It's a downer, means. man. It's yeah. like when you're when you're on this. Pulling the rug out from underneath When you're you? on a creative catapult and it you've just, boing, you just pulled it and you're like, you're flying through the air at a million miles an hour. And it's it's like, a brick wall. I can't write it down quick enough. You don't wanna raise a brick wall. So boom. Google. I, I wrote. This I, has been done. Yeah. So you, you know, it's like, well, you because you want to like ride the wave of creativity, but then if that wave is ultimately going to crash into a, a barren apocalyptic beach, there's so many. Parts I'd rather to hit a analogy. wall. I'd you're, rather hit a wall in a minute. You're mixing a lot of metaphors, but I love it. Than hit an apocalyptic beach in two days. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we've done it all, brother. <laughs> and Man, the other I'm, side of the coin, which is also an analogy. And the sunburn. Yeah. Don't even get me started if you if you hang out on that beach long enough to get yeah. a sunburn, because you're naked? And if you've got a coin and you look at the other side of the coin and the coin is not sunburned, it's a little bit colder because it was under the shade, you'll see the other side of the coin, yeah. just trying to ruin with your analogy here, is mm-hmm. that at the same time, we are going to continue to be inspired. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just go to a magazine stand and I'll get one of those art magazines that's yeah. like just got weird like design things in it not because I design anything and not even and I'm not even particularly a visual artist I'm I'm much more conceptual and let DPs and directors think about the visual side of things but pick looking, one of those up you'll pay $30 for that magazine by the way yeah it'll be like a quarterly like art digest and I'll just look at it just to see what creative people are doing now and how they're thinking about their art and then without fail, 
that somehow by osmosis, if I sit down and look at that, goes into me and then impacts whatever we're working on. You have to get that input to get the output that you need. And, and that's, not, it, that's not plagiarism. I actually think you're onto something when it's like you look for inspiration in a place that doesn't have a lot of overlap in terms of a Venn diagram of what you're creating. So it's not like, all right, we're gonna go to other buddy comedies and look at those movies or television shows to be inspired, but it's, I'm gonna buy this graphic novel, which I which I talked about in the Mythical Monthly, uh, American Barbarian, yeah. which is, it, it just, it rocked my world creatively. I was like gushing to you about it. And then and you like, gave me the book, uh, the, the graphic novel, and I read it in an afternoon. And the funny thing is, is I thought it was amazing, but you, like the way you described it. I you, built it up you, too much you, for you. You gave but, me all the spoilers. So you gotta learn to just give me a little bit, just, wet yeah, my appetite. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that to you, because yeah. I do it rarely. Most of the time you get excited about something, give it to me, but in this instance, I think finding inspiration, maybe we're, we're, we're onto something here. It's like you find inspiration in a sunset. In a un sunset. Unless you're a weatherman. Because they're tired of them. You find, well then you might just be copping the sunset all the time. Oh yeah, like, yeah it's gotta be something different. You find inspiration in a moving, Tear jerking song, unless you're a musician. I don't know. This is a working theory here. <laughs> you know, the you can't find too much inspiration in something that has a has a direct overlap. Well, I think when there's a direct overlap, you're you're looking at it for a couple of reasons, and one of them is to make sure that you're not just replicating what somebody's doing. I don't know. It's a fine line. And I think we're continuing to navigate it and figure it out, figure it out as we go. But it's so much different when it comes to something like long term, like buddy system. And then when you come back to this machine of mythical entertainment between Good Mythical Morning, Good Mythical More, this is mythical. So many videos coming out, so much content in an environment where everyone else is doing the same thing. Everyone else is tapping into the same stuff it becomes increasingly difficult to navigate this landscape in a way that you can actually say we're creating something innovative and original, but that's the challenge. Um, you gotta keep, you gotta keep on pushing. You gotta keep pushing. You gotta keep pushing it, man. Guys, let us know uh, what you what you think in terms of your creative process. Um, hashtag Ear Biscuits. If you enjoy this conversation about this aspect of creativity, I'm sure there's other aspects that maybe we could talk about on subsequent episodes. That's an idea. Let us know, hashtag Ear Biscuits, what on that front maybe you'd like to hear from us. We're still open to um, different themes for episodes and in general just getting your feedback uh, and continuing the conversation. And as always, we appreciate your feedback uh, about Ear Biscuits continue to leave comments at places where comments are, are, you can leave comments and ratings and places you can leave ratings. Share the clips with your friends to introduce them to Ear Biscuits. Uh, let's continue to expand this mythical universe um, and just bring more mythical beasts into the fold. Rip us off if you have to. We'll talk at you next week. <laughs>